Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello, welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. Yes, sir. The one podcast in the world that answers the only question that mm-hmm. truly matters. How you can to give it again. How you can ramp up you can't even get in, and that's exactly where we're going to go today, because yeah. guess what, guys? The finals are here. <laughs> the finals are here, and the Celtics and the Lakers are not part of it. Nope. <laughs> Uh, yeah, crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So we're going to see the Denver Nuggets versus yep. the Miami Heat. So, you know, we got to talk about, break down that matchup for you and see yep. you and give you our predictions of who you think we're going to win. Then we're also going to talk about the Miami Heat versus the Celtics. And, I mean, just like all of you, who would, I mean, I thought it was done after the first three games. But then, for some reason, there was yes. some life left in the Celtics. Yep. You know what I mean? And they were able to push it to the seven, but they couldn't wild. finish it off. <laughs> and we're wild. also going to analyze that as well. So, this is a great episode for you guys who really were yep. looking, who were really invested into this series. And hopefully, we can give you, you know, the best content available. So, yeah. Jason, without further ado, go ahead and kick it off for us. Talk, talk to me about the Celtics Heat. Man, the Celtics Heat series, I mean, it was amazing. Um, after three games, I wrote it off. I was like, the series is over. Uh, Miami Heat win. It's great. Uh, and then they win, like, they win one. And I'm like, ah! Miami's still going to finish them off. They win two, and I'm like, oh, my. And right? then they go into Miami, and they win three in a row. And I'm like, oh, yeah. They have all the momentum in the world. They're going to take Game 7. This is going to be insane. We're witnessing history. And they came out and played poorly. They shot poorly mm-hmm. on the three-point line. Jason Tatum rolled his ankle pretty early in the game. Uh, Jimmy Butler didn't play a poor game. And I do feel like the right team won the series. I understand mm. the Boston Celtics have a better roster on paper. But the better team this series was the Miami Heat. I mean, they played seven games, right? And if it wasn't for Bam Adebayo having, like, eight points and Jimmy Butler having, like, ten points heading into the last three minutes of Game 6, they would have won Game 6. If yeah. they would have had a normal normal game for them, Gabe Vincent was playing out of his mind that game. You know, all those supporting characters were playing great. And that was a team that Miami played a better game, was a better team in Game 6. They're a better team in Game 7. They're a better game team in Game 3. They're a better team in Game 2. They're a better team in Game 1. For the seven, game series, seven games in this series, Miami was the better team in five of them. 
right? And yeah. one of them, they didn't even have Gabe Vincent, and another one, Boston Celtics shot like 45% from the three-point line. So the, the better team was Miami, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, like we said before, um, they made a mistake by n- allowing Emei to leave. You know, that coaching battle really made a difference. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that they're going to have to move on uh, from their head coach. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Joe Mazzula. Joe Mazzula, yeah. There's too many great head coaching candidates right now. Boone Holzer, uh the kid, the guy from Phoenix, Nick Nurse. All of those guys are like three elite coaches. Uh, Nick Williams. Nurse isn't available anymore. Oh, he got hired by somebody? 76ers. Oh, wow. That's great for the 76ers. Um yeah, and um, it's it's you know Budenholzer or Monty's going to be a great fit for Boston. I think one of them's going to land there, but it's it's a team that doesn't they shouldn't overreact and blow things up. They just need to blow up the head coach because he's just not ready for a prime time. Doesn't make adjustments. He can't really doesn't seem like he connects with the players. Doesn't understand how to use utilize them the best. I mean, an example of this is when. You're going into game one, and they put out Kevin Love, and you have Jason Tatum on the floor, Jalen Brown on the floor. You have Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Marcus Smart, Derek White. You should be hunting Kevin Love, right? And they didn't hunt yeah. Kevin Love until, like, game three, right? And then they kind of made Kevin Love unplayable. But game one, you should have sent the message to Miami of making him unplayable. And because yeah. offensively, he brings a lot for Miami because of the spacing and the intelligence and, like, the weak side rebounding. And with him and Bam and Jimmy, they could rebound the hell of the basketball if you let Kevin Love stay out there. So, you know, um, that was one thing where it was, like, immediate. It should have been immediate. Like, last year. Think about last year when they faced Brooklyn. And Brooklyn tried to run out Patty Mills. And have him guard Jalen Brown. It would have been like not attacking Patty Mills. But last year in Brooklyn, Emo Odoka is a phenomenal coach. They're not letting that matchup go. They're not letting Patty Mills just stand on the floor and not get attacked. You know what I mean? And um, I think that's just an example of the weakness of Joe Mazzulla. But, I mean, expecting this guy to come from the bench year one to coach an NBA championship level team. When he's going up against great coaches that have developed their own resume and developed their own knowledge base for years, like a Spolstra, it's tough. It's a hot, It's a it's a tall task, even with all the talent that Boston has. Um, you got to give a ton of credit though for Miami on their end. I mean, Spolstra is a phenomenal X's and O's coach. Uh, I definitely feel like, even though maybe. Next year, they won't play like this in the regular season. In this moment, Gabe Vincent is playing great. I think I feel like yeah. Gabe Vincent's shown you that 15 and 5 and good defense is what he can give you on a reliable night and shooting the hell out of a three point ball. And I also don't think Caleb Martin's a fluke. He dropped 26 in game seven, but he's had multiple games in the playoffs. And pretty much all playoffs, he's been very, very consistent. And he gives him a different element. Because he can shot create for himself, right? He has a few fadeaways that you'll see him at the mid-range. And you'll see mm-hmm. him. He's not just a standstill guy or guy that's always got to play hyper-efficient. So 
you know, in this moment, he's like an 18, 17, 16 a game shooting a hell of a three-point ball. And I think also there's one thing that we can all know now that Miami specializes in. And that is off-ball defense. And off-ball defense specifically when it comes down to shutting down shooters. Because their ability to fly around the floor like their feet are on fire, always in right position, always taking away angles, always playing as one. They communicate so well. And on the three-point line, they make it so gosh darn tough because when Kevin Love was on the floor, Caleb Martin's 6'5 and fast. Gabe Vincent's 6'4, 6'3 and fast. Jimmy's 6'7 six, six, and fast. And... You know, Max Struess may not be super fast, but he's still 6'7", and bam's bam, right? So, mm-hmm. they might be the best team in the NBA guarding the three-point line. I mean, it's just unbelievable the difficulty and the pressure they were able to put on Boston every single game. Um, and they Boston relies on the three-point line to win games. And, you know, I definitely feel like we're learning that Miami's ability to shut down that three ball is real it's legit um they probably the best defensive team when it comes down to guarding that three-point line in the league um it's amazing to watch uh it's it's coaching excellence from spolstra and everybody that they have on their staff there Mm -hmm. um and five they have so many guys they're just so highly intelligent too you know what i mean like their starting five is intelligent they got kevin love they got kyle lowry off the bench like, everybody's playoff experience. Everybody's a highly intelligent player. Everybody also gives 100% effort. You know what I mean? Like, you'll see Jimmy Butler pressing somebody up all the way up the court. And you'll see Gabe Vincent pressing somebody up all the way up the court. But they have offensive responsibilities too, right? Like, they're expected to score as well. So, it's just 1 through 12 is puts so much pressure on you. It makes it ridiculously tough. Um... So we got to give a ton of credit for the heat of uh, just defensive excellence, you know, offensive excellence. The ability of next man up mentality is definitely, this is a perfect example of that. Uh, the way Caleb Martin stepped up is amazing. Bam Adebayo isn't playing amazingly offensively, but he's very consistently going to give you usually 15, 8 world-class defense in good passing, right? He's going to do it in efficient nature. Some nights he's going to have nights where he scores six, seven, or eight points a game, but you know most times it's going to be fifteen to sixteen where he's going to put pressure at the rim, and uh, everybody's just fitting so perfectly around each other. This is not just like Jimmy Butler carrying. You know, Jimmy Butler is having a world class playoffs, and you know what I mean. Like Game Six was probably the greatest game I've ever seen somebody play. Up till like the last three minutes of the game, where the star has less than twelve points. Well, the last three minutes, where he had like ten in a row, or he's like dominating on the boards and defending everything, and you know, getting steals, and like he had like eight to nine assists, and he's just creating for their passers and creating for their shooters on the perimeter. Like Jimmy Butler touches every single phase of basketball. Um, so even when he has slow nights like that, he's still making his team so much better. Uh, so you got to give a ton of credit. You got to give a ton of credit for the Miami Heat. This is not a fluke team. This team right now is a great NBA championship level team. Um, and they're operating at that level. 
and you know you can't look at the names you can't look at what you think about those names and associate gave vincent and expect gave vincent to have what he does what his name these guys are just step you have to understand what in the moment in this moment these guys are doing and they're playing so much higher than what their names are um especially caleb martin the shot creation that he's giving them special uh he's he, this is his breakout moment in these playoffs so this miami heat team is scary they don't make mistakes highly intelligent not easy to beat so yeah that's my takeaway on the series and I was thinking as you were talking, right, I was like, this team reminds me of, like, 2019 Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard. Okay. A little bit. It's because, like, of, like, you know, even though they're not as long or as tall, mm-hmm. but it's just the the caliber of players that's mm-hmm. on the team. Like, even, like, Dag, like, they had, I think they had Kyle Lowry. And Kawhi Leonard and like a, a nice supporting cast, you know what I mean? Like Fred Van Vliet, and I think Marcus Ault, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, Jabaka, Marcus Ault. It was a nice supporting cast, and I think I see a lot of that in like the Miami Heat. Um, I will say though that let's give it up for Eric Spolstra because this is the eighth seed, full of you know undrafted late picks you know what i mean yeah. like players that really have been wrote off mm-hmm. and they're going to the nba finals okay um and they're they're playing the best basketball right now they've been white hot since the start of the playoffs i mean they had to play two play-in games came into the play they had to earn their way into the playoffs and yeah. they're the only team they're the they're one of two teams left standing that's yeah. crazy um it is, it is definitely amazing um do want to talk about the Celtics? Um, I believe Celtics, because they lack in the coaching department, they depend so much on their talent. Yes, and their talent is great. You know what I mean? They have JT, sure. they got JB, they got uh, Malcolm Brogdon, they got you know Robert Williams the third, they got Derek White, they got Al Horford, they got they got a nice team. But so depending on your talent won't get you but so far like at the end of the day the games they won was talent that was a talent they out talented the the miami heat but Mm -hmm. then you're you were absolutely right like the miami heat had been the better team five out of seven games so only the two games they lost you know what i mean besides the game six which was really close because they won it on a um put back by Derek white ridiculous buzzer beater (laughs) a ridiculous put back by Derek white yeah that was, was a game that was winnable. You know what I mean? That they should have won. Um, those were just, they were just, it was just talent. It was literally talent. Jason Tatum, I think one of those games had 41. Yep. And it was just, it yeah, it was just talent. It was just pure talent. But, and I do want to say this, you know, even though it was talent and, you know, it's the coaching problem, I wouldn't go into, okay, look, we've tried this for, Six seven years, yeah. it's I mean like four or five years is not really working with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. We need to split them up and see if we can bring somebody else in. We're going to mm-hmm. call Jason Tatum our franchise, and we're going to bring in Jordan Poole, or we're going to bring in A Wiggins, or we're going to bring in somebody else to to play next to him. I wouldn't do that per se, considering mm-hmm. how this is the same. You know what I mean? This is a team that got there last yeah. year, 
Exactly. You know what I mean? It, with a different coach. So I wouldn't yeah. blame the players right away. I would yeah. more so blame the coach. Yeah. I mean, take a page out of Golden State's book. They don't blame Steve Kerr when they don't make it to the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just just in that sense, just blame Joe Mazzula just because he's just so inexperienced. I mean, that's yeah. not his fault. Mm-hmm. He was thrust into a position that he wasn't ready for. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel bad, but I'm like, at the same time, if you want to win, you need somebody who can win those coaching battles, and Joe Mazzula is just not that guy. Yeah. Um, we noticed that when they went when the heat went up oh three, I mean three oh and he was like, I just didn't prepare them correctly and I'm like, I don't blame you mm-hmm. but this is not the coach that you would want you know spearheading your championship caliber team. You know what I mean? They should they should they definitely underperformed they performed well strictly off talent until they came to up to a team that could beat who that could that was a better team because they were better coached. Um, so when it came to that point, they just weren't able to, um, they weren't able to out-talent them like they did the rest of the league, you know, up until that yeah. point, you know, the other team. So, I I mean, the only thing I can say is Joe Mazzola has to be let go, um, sad to say, but it's like he's he was thrust into a position that he wasn't ready for, yeah. um, and Bolstra just is amazing when it comes to coaching, like, yeah. for real. Yeah. For real, he's a, he's amazing when it comes to coaching. Um, and he'd have all the tools to possibly take a championship, and this would be probably like the most well-deserved championship, I would say, in recent history. Yeah, they got a shot, man. And uh, yeah. do you want to talk about that NBA championship breakdown between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat? Yeah, let's get to it. Okay, do you want me to go first, or you go first? Okay, first, before we get into the breakdowns, what is your prediction? I have the Miami Heat in six. In six? Yes. I have Denver in six. Ooh, okay. All right. All right. How about you go first? And I want to hear at least like five specific reasons why. Why? Okay. By Denver and six, yeah. Okay, so I have Denver and six because I just believe that what they have, you know what I mean? Because it's like I would say it's considering what the, what the Heat have went through, as far as like beating the Bucks, you know what I mean, beating the Celtics, things like that. I don't think they've seen anything like Denver per se, because mm-hmm. Denver is a will old machine, and they have the one of the best players in the you know in the league on their team. So that's that's a plus right there. They're well coached and they have a great supporting cast. I mean, who's going to who are you gonna throw at Jamal Murray when he gets hot? Because he's just gonna like and then who's gonna stop that pick and roll that they ha- that he has with Jokic? And then you have the love threat. I mean Bam is a he can't lean, he's not gonna lean on Jokic because Jokic is not you know what I mean? Like it, we we had Anthony Davis try to do the same thing and wasn't able to do it. So I don't see stopping Jokic. I don't see the Heat stopping Jamal Murray. I, I mean, like, if you can't stop those two, I mean, like, it, it doesn't really matter in my eyes because those are the two people who's going to win the game. But I will say that what gives the Heat an advantage um, outside the fact that I believe that 
Denver is a complete team and they play really well together is that the Heat play really well together because they have to feed off each other because they don't have that guy to really lean into besides Jimmy Butler or like maybe a Caleb, Caleb, Caleb Martin. So I just don't, I mean, well, I, I'm going with Denver. That's why I'm going with Denver because I just believe that Denver has the better team. They may not have the better coach. I wouldn't say that. I'm going to say that Mike Malone's a better coach than them, but they have the better team. I think they have the better supporting cast. Um, and they have enough to get past Miami because who's going to guard Jokic? They don't like, I don't, Bam can't link, can't just, I don't think Bam's going to be able to defend Jokic in a way that's going to hold him back and, you know, from, from doing what he does best, which is just facilitating and scoring. So it's like, I don't, I don't see them doing that. And when Jamal Murray is on the court, what are they going to do with that? So that's why I say the Denver Nuggets are going to win. Why do you say the Heat are going to win? So, me personally, I think that the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat have two different paces. The Miami Heat love to play at a slower place. They play their best style of basketball in the half court. When the four mm-hmm. teams to try to face their half court defense. And it's going to come down to who controlled pace better. And in the NBA Finals, where you're allowed to basically have everybody putting 100% effort all the time, and they have Jimmy Butler, they have Kyle Lowry, they have Gabe Vincent, they have so many highly intelligent players with Spolstra, it's going to be the hardest Denver's ever faced a team to try to speed up the pace. And because the NBA Finals, my second reason why I think uh, Miami will win this series that leans into the first reason and it connects to it is toughness and physicality of the NBA Finals. The NBA playoffs is an extremely physical place and each round you go into higher, go from the first round, second round, third round to the NBA Finals, it becomes more physical. And when you're allowed to get your hands on people and you're allowed to bump bodies and you're allowed to become more physical, you can muck up the game to slow down the game very, very easily, right? And Miami's not afraid of throwing J. Gabe Vincent to press people up floor. Look, they're, they're not afraid of doing it and be like, oh, we got to protect these guys offensively because we need them to score 50. Like, they don't require everybody to score that many points, so they can throw the bodies and have the bodies needed to press up the floor and to make the passing lanes and the ability for Denver Nuggets to push the pace so much harder because Spolstra and the physicality of this series is so tough. And on top of that, I will say that the third reason is the coaching matchup. You know what I mean? Like Spolstra is going to coach circles around Malone. Malone's a good coach, but you know, Spolstra has that coaching matchup and we've seen series after series of how great he is at coaching and how great he is at exposing matchups. And my fourth reason is we just saw them put on a clinic on the three-point line defensively. I just talked about it, right? Like, Boston Celtics are a three-point shooting team, and the quantity of good shots that they would get from the three-point line in the game against the Heat was like 3-5. to But in the regular season, they get like 15-20, to like really nice, good looks, right? 
they have world class off ball defense, closeout defense, three point shot, the the ability to stop people from being able to shoot the three point line as easily. And the Denver Nuggets, guys not named Jokic and Murray, everybody else is relying on the three ball. KCP, relying on the three ball. Michael Porter Jr., relying on the three ball. Aaron Gordon, even though he's going to have moments where he catches a lob, like he spends a lot of time in the corner, right? And those guys aren't shot creators. So when the three ball is taken away, it's going to be tough for them to shoot. Like Jeff Greens, he's a shooter, right? Um, they have this guy from Kansas. can't think of his name, but they have a uh, 6-6 guard who was drafted last year. I still can't think of the name, but he's like a shooter as well, right? Like, And Bruce Browns, he shoots and he tries to drive to the rim, but like, it's not going to scare anybody that much. So, you know, two, no, three through 12 on Denver, most of them are good at shooting the three ball. And you know what I mean? They win the game by like volume shooting threes. And that's like the counter to Jokic and Jokic's ability to score. And we just saw Boston with uh, two guys that can score and everybody else that is good three-point shooters around them have issues because of the three-point ball. And the fifth reason is, Chris, you talked about the pick and roll. I can't think of a better defender in the NBA at guarding the pick and roll at the center position than Bam. So the best play that the Denver Nuggets have in the half court is the pick and roll with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, but there is nobody better in the NBA at guarding it than Bam out of body. That's a rough matchup because he's so switchable, and if he goes switches and you pass the Jokic, he can rotate back out the Jokic. Like he's just so freaky fluid that it gives a lot of issues. Jokic is gonna do Jokic right. He's not gonna be able to stop Jokic. Jokic is phenomenal, but that pick and roll is the bread and butter and when you're facing a team that's not going to be in drop coverage like the lakers were and you know deandre who can't guard the pick and roll right and rudy gobert that can't guard the pick and roll they faced three guys so far that can't guard the pick and roll even though ad could he was forced to stay at the rim right led to a lot of ridiculously easy shots think about how much trouble they gave trey young right think about in the past and in the playoffs of the pick and roll and how much they just they suffocate the pick and roll if it's centered around guards and their ability to score and Jamal Murray's gonna have a tough ass time and it's it's those five reasons you put everything together so their ability to force Denver to go in the half court because they're so intelligent it's gonna be allowed to be so tough it's gonna lean to the half court offense and that half-court offense is based around the pick-and-roll and Denver Nuggets shooting the three-ball. And like I just said, Miami Heat guard the pick-and-roll better than anybody else. And they guard the three-ball better than anybody else. So the two things that they score most by that's not named Nikola Jokic is the two things that Miami Heat can guard the hell out of. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you put all those five things together. I expect Miami to come out of this in six. I think they have enough scoring. I believe in Kevin Lamar, and I believe in Gabe Vincent. I believe in Max Struff. I believe in Duncan Robinson. They have a formula that works offensively. They're so ridiculously intelligent. They play so physical on both sides of the basketball. I think that's going to lean to this team. Um, everything, everything, when this is a similar feeling that I had when 
I chose the Kings to be the Golden State Warriors, which I still believe that the Kings would have beaten the Golden State Warriors if Darren Fox didn't get hurt, where it was like, oh man, there's like five reasons, like tangible, of like, man, X reason, X reason, X reason. They got all these advantages, right? And it was a similar feeling that I had when I chose the Atlanta Hawks to be the 76ers. Advantage, 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 advantage. And I just think that they got too many advantages in this series. I'm going Miami in six. It's going to be a great series, but I I think um, that they're going to win. Also, there's another intangible thing is I've watched a lot of basketball in my years. NBA championship teams usually have a feel. They usually have something that doesn't go on the stat sheet of like this feeling when you watch them that they togetherness and like the feeling of we're going to do it and the feeling that everybody's won and just like there's something special and unique that NBA champions usually look and play with. Like last year's Golden State Warriors, they had that it factor and that feeling that they just were going to win. They just had this team that just felt like it was a perfect team and everybody trusted each other and they just it looks like they were having fun on the court and it was just usually there's just a look there's a there's an intangible feeling that NBA champions give off and the Miami Heat are giving off that feeling uh and just like the intangibles and the intelligence of every player on the court for Miami I'm going Miami man Miami in 6 give me a great series but that's why. So, you know, it's, I, what do you think about that, Chris? Like, anything that you uh, thought about what I said, or do you have nothing else? No, um, so that's, that's an interesting point there, because I can see one thing I will say that, you, that kind of sticks with me that you said was the fact of the pacing, right? Because mm. the Denver Nuggets, we do see they do play fast in the he do like to operate in a half court kind of offense, but and I said this before is that with that you know the Denver Nuggets can also operate in a half court. They 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 you know they slow down, run pick and rolls. You know what I mean. So it could go either way. So it's like it's still a toss up for me. I'm gonna ride Denver for my biases. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, it's gonna be a good series. I don't it's think it's a bad choice. Series. Denver. Yeah, yeah. Just know that uh, a team that haven't won in a minute is going to walk away with a trophy, and that feels good. If it, the NBA feels fresh and new right now because of the teams that are there, and they haven't been there in a while, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's a good point. I feel like that's a good, like, reaction to, like, the super teams not being in the yeah. NBA. There's no super team right now, and I yeah. think it's allowed for a lot of teams that um, – you know, our NBA championship level teams not getting their glory just like completely thrown to the side of a super True. team. So I, I definitely think that this is great basketball. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else? No. Do you have anything? Uh, yeah. Did you hear Bob Myers got fired? Did he get fired or did he walk away? I forget. But it's one of those two. And it, apparently it came down to the fact that like he didn't want to make a decision on move away from either Clay or Draymond. Um, I could see where that could be an issue because, you know, they do need to make changes moving forward, but I think they can still win a ring. So I think having a fresh new perspective 
to um, get away from like Bob Myers has been there for nine years. He has biases towards yeah. certain players. You know what I mean. So I understand wanting to leave, even though he's a phenomenal GM. Uh, what he's done building there is amazing. They they do a great job of drafting. They do a great job of player management, like managing egos and things of that nature. So I know Bob Myers is a great GM, and uh, I'm sure they'll find somebody that's got a fresh new idea, and they'll they'll find the right guy. They're a good organization. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's that's interesting. Um, they are a good organization. Warriors are a well-run organization. Yeah. Um, I will say this: that you know, with the leaving of Bob Myers, does this spell the beginning of the end of the core three, you know, because like if the fact of the matter was that he didn't want to make a decision on who to trade means that he was holding things up. So they're going to look for somebody with a fresh idea, meaning who are we getting rid of? Because I would get rid of Clyde. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I think we're seeing the beginning of the end of the Warriors dynasty. I, I still think that they can win a ring. I, I would say getting rid of Clay because Jordan Poole matters too much to the Warriors' future, and he pairs so well with Steph Curry. And Clay Thompson's not defending so amazingly where, you know, oh, we're going to lose this defensive greatness. Like, KD's, Clay's a good defender, but, you know, he's coming up the hill. But what Draymond Green does on the floor, his passing, they can't live, they can't run the Golden State Warriors offense without Draymond. Yeah, um, and defensively, he just he still does a lot. So his intelligence, the way he passes the basketball, is way too important. And he's also going to be cheaper than Clay. And like Clay, you can trade Clay and get the pieces to build around Jordan Poole, Draymond, and Steph. Like I think they need a center, um, and That'd they already have Wiggins. You know what I mean? So trading Clay, trade Clay has more value than Draymond. But, you know, Clay is holding back Jordan Poole's minutes. So, but if they trade Draymond, they they won't win a championship because he's way too integral to the way they play basketball. True. True. So I guess my question is, where do you see Clay going? If Clay if Clay is the one that's traded, where do you see him going? Well, um, they would need a center. So an option would be, I don't know if you... Rudy Gobert would make sense for them. You know, I know we we hate on him a lot, but they need somebody to defend the rim and yeah. to clean up their mistakes and the ability. They have a weakness of guarding guards and guards getting to the rim. So, a guy like Rudy uh, would make a lot of sense there. Jared uh, goodness, I'm trying to think of names off the top of my head. I don't think Anthony Davis. I don't. They don't have the juice to get AD like that unless LeBron left and they just want to blow things up. Yeah, um, they're not getting Bam. Uh, I could see. I know he's, in my opinion, he's really underrated. Kristaps Porzingis uh, mm. he's developed a lot in his ability to defend the rim. His body's filled out. I know he's in Washington, so many people aren't watching it, but his three-point shooting, on top of his. Uh, shot blocking at the rim would be really great on that team. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that could really add to what they do, especially defensively. A guy like Jared Allen, a guy like Nick Claxton, a guy yeah. like Jalen Duran, who's a younger guy, but he can really defend the rim. You know what I mean? Uh, Christian Coloco is another option. Right? Like, 
there's a lot of guys, and Clay Thompson's a vet. Even if you trade him to a rebuilding team, they can flip him to another team that's trying to win and still get a mm-hmm. lot of value. So um, there's no really restrictions of what they can do with him. So Clay's Clay's got great value because he can still score. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Still, he's still a bucket. He's still a great three point shooter. He's still, you know, he does really well. It's not like Clay's an issue. It's just you can get the most value for him in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. He would make a ton of sense in Minnesota. Dear goodness. Him spacing for Anthony Edwards. Yeah. And had them having Cat back in his actual position, which is the center position. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, it actually would make them a better team. That, yeah. Man, that's actually interesting. I wasn't so on board with it at first, but that's actually pretty interesting. To see if Clay went to, hmm, that's yeah, not I, bad. I know we hate on Rudy a lot, but he's exactly what they need. Yeah, and that's and that actually would not be a bad trade. No, but would they trade him though? Because they were trying to do this twin towers thing. Yeah, the thing is that trading Rudy for Clay would mean that the GM of Minnesota of the Minnesota Timberwolves has what we call functioning brain and I don't believe that's possible. <laughs> the thing is though, he's so stupid that you it's like, oh he'll take anything, you know what I mean? So Clay yeah. Thompson for Rudy Gobert, oh, thank you. You know, even though it's a good trade, I'm sure Minnesota would probably have to give up more than just Rudy, maybe some good bench piece. Uh, I can't yeah. think there's uh, uh Jaden McDaniels is a nice defensive six eight guy that they have maybe something like that off the bench because clay's better they'll than get Rudy. fleeced they'll get fleeced and they'll, <laughs> and they'll end up with they'll end up with nothing but clay and cat on the team yeah yeah it's hilarious uh yeah there's a few trades out there i thought about one scotty barnes for rudy for jordan Poole and christian coloco scotty barnes would make mm-hmm. so much sense on the golden state warriors it's passing yeah. the pat and the toronto Raptors need a scoring guard and christian coloco is like I know many people may not know his name, but he was a rookie. He started a lot of games for Toronto. He's ridiculously switchable. He's a lot similar to Nick Cla- Nick Claxton, so yeah. he, he fits the Warriors scheme so well. Uh, I scouted him. Had 19 coming out of the draft. Yep, correct, correct. Gotta take my uh, victory laps when I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of options depending on what they want to go. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. This summer is going to be a very interesting summer for the NBA. Yeah. And yeah, they got to make a move, though. Golden State's got to make a move. They try to run it back. They're going to have some issues. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you see Victor, Wimby coming in the league. So that's going to be fun, too. It's going to be so fun to watch. Yeah. I can't wait. And definitely, hey, once these NBA finals end, you guys are going to want to tune in for our draft stuff. Delete. Telling you, I already have like every single player watched in the top thirty in my big board of uh, three times. So, three full oh, games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jason takes this stuff seriously. I'm telling you, <laughs> we are ready. We are ready. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything <laughs> else you want to talk about, man? Um. No. 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 I don't. Do you? No, I got nothing, man. Alrighty, well, thank you all for tuning in, listening, and 
supporting. Uh, we definitely appreciate all that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I'm just Collins. And we are the best boys. Peace. Out.